Welcome to Out of Rotation, volleyball talk for players, coaches, and fans. Presented by the American Volleyball Network. Here's your host, Dan Meskin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, Fallon Fanoi Moana. 2010, she's the number one recruit in the country. She chooses to stay home. She plays for USC. She only plays one season there, but she's the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. After that, she goes over to Puerto Rico. She plays professionally until 2016, highlighted by a gold medal with Team USA Pan American Games in 2015. 2016 to 2022, she spends some time on the beach, plays in some AVP events, plays some Norsecas, but in 2022... She's brought back to the indoor game in the form of AU Pro, and that's how I got to meet her. In 2023, AU Pro versus the University of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky at l Arena, and Fallon, she just dominated that game. She was 14 kills on 29 swings. She led all of AU's attackers in kills, and the thing that stuck out to me about her is she just made it look like the game was so much easier for her than it was for every other player. For example, like she would go up and our block would be on time and she would just wait. Our block would come down and then she would tool. Our block would be late and she would speed up to the ball and she would just bounce it. I actually made a video about why you can't time hitters based on what Fallon did to our block. It was really something to see. And after the match, I went up to her and complimented her about that. And she just had a presence about her. She had an essence. She had the it factor. And I just knew that this is a person I want to learn from, I want to get to know better. And once I started this podcast, she was one of the first people I thought, I need to reach out to her and learn more about her. So I'm really glad that I did. I'm really glad we get to share her story with you. The name of the episode, Building an Empire, comes from an affirmation she talks about later in the episode. But when you listen to her, she really is building an empire. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys. I hope you guys enjoy it. Fallon Fanoi Moana, Building an Empire. And um, then at nine, my one of my good friends, Holly Maker, she was going to play indoor. And she was like, I want you to be on my team. So I tried out for the team. And then I started at nine playing indoor and never looked back. Fast forward, you're the number one recruit in the country. What was that experience like in 2010 being the number one recruit in the country? I'm sure getting, you know, letters and calls from all over the country. Take me through a little bit of what it's like to be the number one recruit in the country, getting recruited, you know, 10 years ago when the rules, they could pretty much reach out to you when in seventh grade, I think, right? Yeah, I think I got my first letter and I was in sixth or seventh grade and it was wow. Purdue. I always remember Purdue. that. Purdue, wow. And I had no idea where Purdue was. I had no idea anything about Purdue, but they sent me my first letter and I told my mom, like, oh, I got a letter, mom. It's like, yeah, this is going to start happening. You know, this is the first one. Just put that in your brain that, you know, this was your first school that wanted you and work hard to understand where you want to go and what you can do. And I always kept that with me. That's why I always remember Purdue was my first one. And um, that quickly grew once I got into seventh, eighth grade, because let's see, fifth grade, you're like around 12. So at 13, I was playing 18s. Oh, wow. And yeah, at 13, I was playing 18. So I was at all the big qualifiers. I was at all the tournaments where now they call it triple crown, but any tournament that was big, we were going to crossroads and then Lone Star, all those. And um, we, we quickly went from me being the young one on the team, learning how to get my bearings to 14 years old, where I was 
I felt like I was actually able to dominate in a way, not completely understanding the game, but just being as aggressive as I could be. At 14, I was probably 6'2". Okay. So at 14, I was able to do things that a lot of people at my age could not. It, I, I take that a lot to my mom growing the IQ of the game for me and making me literally... I hated it at the time, but my mom would literally make me sit down after each game and watch my opponent, watching body language, watching just characteristics of their game. What do they like? What do they not like? You know, strengths or weaknesses. Who do we need to serve? And that quickly turned me into a, a coach on the court, you know, something to be able to remind you of things. And now I just do it because it's a habit. But back then I was like, mom, do I really like, I just want to go eat snacks with the friends and, <laughs> You know, she was building my intelligence. Little did I know at that time of yeah. uh, the love of the game. And um, being the number one recruit, you know, uh, I now I'm a much better teammate. But back then I I had a an attitude of myself because I worked so hard. I literally was if I wasn't at practice, I was going and lifting at the gym. I was going and doing conditioning and plyos. I was getting extra reps. And I always felt like I had a chip on my shoulder because, you know, at that time there was not many blacks that were playing volleyball and good. And at that time I didn't know about Deja McClendon. I learned about her when I got to college, but I, uh, I literally just, I, I tried to be a superhero literally at any point. So when my teammates would be lazy or not care about practice or give their all, like it would literally just irk my nerves. So I was, I was probably the problem child, you know, as the number one recruit, but no one could take away from me how hard I worked and how much um, grit that I had. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Deja McClendon. She's got a close spot in my heart. She went to school here in Louisville, Kentucky, Manual High School, yeah. right across the street from our campus. And uh, was actually, when I first got here, she was our first volunteer coach for a quick season before she went back over pro. So she was on staff, the very first staff when I got here. So uh, love Deja. And a, a teammate of yours for AU Pro this year as well. Yes, so pretty yes. fun. A um, couple things you, you you mentioned there that I want to unpack. So you talked about playing up so many years. And there's two things I want to talk about when you, when you talked about that kind of junior's experience. You said, in hindsight, you weren't a great teammate. Um, and like you said, you worked hard and you maybe had a chip on your shoulder about it, but what were the challenges? Cause I think a lot of players might find themselves in the situation of like, when you're playing up, you're with your peers, but they're also like in those, if you're one or two years younger than someone at age 14, that might as well be five or six years when we're in our twenties and thirties. Yeah. So there's a, a major difference in just maturity level and just life experience. So how much did you feel like struggling as a teammate was maybe you felt isolated just from the age gap or you talked about just maybe the lack of diversity in the game at that point where do you think that kind of stemmed from or you know what were the challenges say somebody finds themselves in that situation right now on a juniors team I'm playing up or I'm playing at a club where there's not much diversity I don't see very many people that you know know my experience what are the challenges with that and what would you say to your younger self to maybe help you know work you through that you know I I think my lucky stars, I had my mom and she was so right when she used to take me away from the group because I was not in a headspace where they were. They were having boyfriends and driving and in high school doing things that I, I wasn't doing. I was literally still in middle school and all I cared about was volleyball. And, um, you know, I think the parenting is so much bigger than the girls. I think parents mm -hmm. really need to be aware, especially now, because we did not have social media. We had like MySpace, like, 
that was nothing compared to all of the things that they have now. And I'm sure they're going to be exposed to more things, but like there is nothing like conversation to learn and something where I, I heard a lot of conversation, but I didn't think anything of it. Now it's just, you want to be cool. You want to be doing all the swaggy TikToks and <laughs> listen to all the music they're listening to. So I think parenting is huge. I think parents need to be even more involved if you're going to have your child play with people who are older, you know, understand that, you know, you want to keep that innocence as long as possible. Your timing is your timing. Like you don't have to grow up for anyone. You don't have to be cool for anyone. Like who cares if they don't like you? And that's something that's really hard to tell people. I tell my son this all the time. Like if I tried to be cool in every scenario that I literally am in, I, I would have no identity. It would not be me. Yeah. And, you know, ev everyone else's shoes are filled. You have only your shoes to fill. And that's so important for young women, even young boys. When I used to coach boys too, I used to tell them that all the time because the biggest thing you want to do is have, you know, the most friends and the most trendy things that you're doing. But unfortunately, like your identity is what you want it to be. You be trendy in your own way and find yourself through your own timing, not others. Yeah, I love that. Everyone else's shoes are, are already full. I haven't heard that before, but that's very good advice for a, a younger generation that's like constantly just stimulated. You know, it's like, I can't really sit there. You just look at somebody who feels a little bit bored and they, boom, they're going to pop their phone out because it's just exactly. like a crutch, you know? Um, how old, you mentioned your son. How old's your son now? He is 10. He's 10. So you're kind of right yes. in the thick of it. I'm, I'm a little bit behind you. My oldest is eight, I think, here, but I have three of them. So it's like eight, six, and five. But he's already yeah. asking for a phone. And, you know, like it, that's another one of those things where he's got maybe a friend who's a few years older who has one. Um, I'm yeah. just curious as a little bit of a tangent here, the challenges in that regard, because I can tell you're really passionate about that. What's the challenges you're talking about? From a coaching standpoint, okay, if I'm coaching club, you know, parents, yeah. of, but you're you're in the thick of it right now. What have you learned with your son as far as you want to, like you said, you want to preserve that innocence? You know, my son, he wants to be so old. He <laughs> he is 10 going on 13 right now. <laughs> Does it sound but like my voice? I, oh my gosh. And, you know, to preserve his innocence is more of go outside and stop using your iPad. Let's go for a walk. Let's go on your scooter. We have this beautiful beach here. Let's go to the beach. That's a lot of the innocence that these kids don't have anymore. Like I'm literally going to be with you doing stuff. I'm not going to let you stay on your iPad for hours and just veg out. Yeah. And um, the TikTok, ugh, I, <laughs> I literally only have a TikTok because of him. Really? I only have a TikTok because of him. He's like, mom, you have so many followers on Instagram. You need to be trendy. You need to be cool. So he's your social like media me. manager? He is my social media manager, and he's telling me how to edit videos. And it's like, oh, son, like, I'll do it for you. And then all his friends follow me and everything. So it's just it's, – it's one of the things where I have to allow him to be himself. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's something of allowing him to – do as much like go scrape your knee in the park, go on the skateboard park and just go fall five times. Like yeah. those are just things that we used to do as kids. And I try to balance it. Obviously this life, <laughs> you can't balance everything. No. So 
I try as much as I can to do it. I run into the same thing because it's like, you know, he is learning a life skill. Let's say he gets fantastic at it. Like he can make a great career out of that. Like my kids are super into video games and streaming. And I'm like, okay, if we're going to do this, let's again, learn to edit video, learn to be good at like learn a skill out of it so that you're not just like watching other people's content. Like you should create some. Um, so I don't know. I find myself getting wrapped up in it too. Cause just probably in the last year <laughs> I've started to, you know, promote our program more and create more content and, you know, the podcast is another way to connect, but it's like, okay, this is great, but it's any, too much of anything is a bad thing. And so yeah. you really have to keep it in check. And even we want to think that we have, we're mature and all that. I mean, everything exactly. is designed to get, get the control out of our hands, you know? So exactly. I don't know. I could talk, <laughs> I could talk parenting and kids and the challenges and like what we have now for a long time, but I want to get back more specifically to you. So let's wrap okay. up really quick on kind of your juniors and college, um, career. So 2010 Pac-12 freshman of the year, um, and then done at USC. So shorten that career shortly after you go pro in Puerto Rico. Um, talk me through that era of your career there. Um, I had a, I had a great year at USC. Um, looking back now, I was a stubborn young adult and I, now looking at myself then I had a lot of ego but I also had a lot of hurt because I felt like my team was my family and obviously I was going from being with girls to women like I I was doing it was a completely different uh gap for me and you know looking back I should have sucked up a lot and stayed at USC but obviously if I did then I wouldn't have my son so God knows exactly what he's doing Mm -hmm. and um I had my son after that, uh, right after 2012 was when I had him. And in December, I went straight to Puerto Rico and my contract was for $10,000, which was nothing. I literally played every single game. Like people were taking food out of my son's mouth. Like that's just how, how it felt because everyone put so much pressure and and so much had so many opinions that I just felt was just irrelevant for them just to talk about my life. And um, then I quickly learned that if they were talking about me, it's because I was doing something right. So, you know, there was just a lot of learning curves I had to do within the first two years of my son being born. And uh, I think the rage that I had of, you know, wanting to do better and wanting to be great for my son turned into a championship, which was amazing. And then my career kind of took off after that because I got invited to the national team. And that was one of my goals since I was a little girl was to be in that gym, able to put USA on. So it was, it's an amazing experience. That's, that's growing up very, very fast. Like you said, like a, like a, the first two years of your son's life, just a lot of growing experiences. If you could go back 10 years from now and say, Hey, I, I would have given you these tools or I would have given you this advice. What would you say would have helped you through? Or was it one of those things that, man, you grinded through it and made you the person you were you had to go through it. You know, there, there is no manual to life. Like there is no manual to having kids. Um, I, I had no other choice than to grind. I've always been put in adversity type situations. I think the difference between myself 10 years ago and myself now is I literally put my faith in God and he has shown me so many different ways of healing because all of those experiences I've already talked about are healing processes, you know, like leaving as a number one recruit and having people constantly bash you when you're nine months pregnant, like 
that's very, very traumatic. And, you know, I, I also had to learn like prep volleyball and volley talk and all of those things are toxic that people would send me and are like, I would see it. And that does nothing for you. It does nothing to make you grow. It's just people who are literally just in their living rooms typing away because what else is it to do in a snowstorm? Like nothing. They just have gossip. And it's just like having, you know, E or TMZ. It's the same type of scenario there. And um, I'm in a different headspace too, because I, I trust myself. I know who I am and I know what I stand for. And those things take time. Those things take experiences. Those things take a support system that you have to know is giving you the best advice. And you have to also know what kind of person you want to become, not just who you are. When you're talking about the way that you play, and we'll get into a little bit of how we connected here. So, you know, you guys come out with AU Pro, but I think you ended up leading that match in kills. You were in the teens, like 15 kills. And it was... You know, I you kind of rang a bell for me, but like I said, I got into coaching after you played in college, so I really wasn't super familiar with you. Recognized your last name after watching your uncle, and uh, you go off in that match, and just watching the volleyball, and I'm getting to how volleyball connects us. Just watching the volleyball, it was like, okay, here is a seasoned player that is just so she sees that the game is slow for her. Like we've got a fantastic team. I think we're going to do great this year. And here's this player who's on like a different level. And I did an earlier podcast with Raquel Lothero. She was a setter for us two years ago. And she used the word. She went to USC, fight on. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and uh, she used the word essence. She talked about your essence is important. That was actually what came to my head of like watching you play. There was an essence about the way you were on the court. And then we talk after the match and I'm like, hey, I want to cut up some of those kills and just kind of teach like how you were so good there and why we just didn't stand a chance on the block. And just that quick interaction, like I said, there was an essence about, you just had, you had a presence about you. And I was like, okay, I need to find out more about this person. <laughs> a little bit about me. I retired uh, my professional overseas to stay home and be with my son because I was going through a custody battle. So beach was my only outlet of volleyball at the time. And when AU Pro had kind of kicked up the first year, Deja being one of my good friends told me about it and she said she had a great experience. And from there, I, I put my name in the hat and I was picked. And this was something where I was turning 30 and 30 was a big birthday for me. I literally planned a whole vacation for my friends to just be with me to celebrate life. And AU Pro literally called me before I booked everything and was like, we want you to play. And I asked myself, what do you want to do for your 30th? What What is an impactful thing that will make you say, okay, we're starting off our 30s on a great note? It was playing indoor volleyball. I, I never felt like I closed the door the correct way for me. I never thought that I was done. I still knew I had so much left in the tank to do. And, you know, AU Pro has given me so much of an opportunity to show what kind of player I am show the body type of, you know, the, the unregular, you know, player who's playing and what kind of fire I bring. I just, I feel like I, there is no one who plays like me. And that's not to be cocky. It's just the way that I look at the game, the way I respect the game, the way I've sacrificed for the game. I feel like you can see that in every single thing that I do, how I celebrate, how I hit the ball. Like all of those things are so important to me. And I feel like you can see that when I'm playing. Yeah. And you own them too. I mean, anybody can just go to AU Pro's Instagram, or I think you have some on yours as well of just like your reaction photos are, 
they're unique to say the least. I mean, you can see the passion comes through, um, which is really cool. That'd be one word I, I could think of off the top of my head to describe your play is passion. Like there's a lot of passion there. Um, and you talked a little bit on if you want to expand it all, but it seems like the game keeps pulling you back in. Like you say, you retired, you came back to it. Like it's always, always feels like because it was there at such a young age, it's always been a part of your life, but you know, life's pulling you away from the game. Then the game's pulling you back. Talk to me a little bit about how you go through that and just the mental challenge that that has of just, because you talked about retiring. I think retiring is a really hard thing for a lot of athletes. Like when is it time? And then you've been pulled back into the game. So just from the mental side of things, you know, what have you learned going through that process? I mean, you have to hit rock bottom to actually appreciate what it is for you. And I've had it taken away several times for me. And I still, when I was not playing, I was coaching and I was putting my passion into coaching and all of my kids, literally all of them know you are my kids. Like you are my children. That's how I put my passion to you. And I care about not just you as a volleyball player, you as a player. And I used to literally go through a whole day I would have like my boys team, my girls team. I'm still having kids text me about like their personal stuff, whether it's a boy, whether it's school or their parents are driving, they're crazy. And I'm going home, getting a glass of wine, like, woo, like this is a lot. And I still, I still loved it because I was still part of the game. And then, you know, having opportunities and it just felt like it was falling in my lap and it it felt kind of weird. Like, Oh, are you sure this is supposed to happen? And when it did, I kind of, I kind of just think, I'm like, thank you for giving me this opportunity. And, you know, I'm going to make the best opportunity, the best out of the opportunity that I can. And that was always something important to me because I've had this taken away from me so many times that um, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Just like, you know, we were talking about, and I'm going to make sure that I impact at least one or two people so that they know what this means to me. Yeah. You've impacted a heck of a lot more than that. I can, t- I can tell you that for sure, <laughs> one or two. Um, I'm just curious. You know, this isn't anywhere I wanted to go with this, but do you see yourself coaching in college at all? Like you talked about that relationship, and these are my kids. And in club, you get new ones every year. In college, you know, you get almost six years together between the recruiting process. And I heard this told to me really well from a men's coach I was talking to. He said, we recruit kids for 40 years, not four. Not four. And I thought that was really yeah. cool. And I can just see in the way that you care for like the athletes you work with. Is that something you see? Or do you like the club, you know, less club lessons and doing all that so you can still be playing beach and playing indoor? Do you see yourself in college someday? You know what? I will not close the door uh, to anything. I feel like that would be naive of me to say. Um, I, I love kids in general. I love women in general. Even if I coach boys, I feel like I could impact. I feel like I'm going to ride this wave of playing, ride this wave of coaching. And, you know, if there is a way that I can impact kids for 40 years, I would love to do that. But I also know what's really important to me is my own children. And I know it takes a lot to bring yourself away from coaching and when I when I do something I, I do it fully and if I I feel like if I get an opportunity where I can balance I feel like my kids will have to be grown just because you know I've I've had so many opportunities where I've had to sacrifice time with my family for playing but I'm not closing the door not at all because I, I love volleyball I love coaching I love making people better I love the, the, my favorite part of coaching is when, you know, you're telling someone what to do and it's 
you're just like telling them this something of just logistics or maybe it's fundamentals and they're kind of looking at you like yeah okay like yeah sure you know what you're talking about and all of a sudden they try it and it works and it's it's that light bulb that just and they look at you and I'm like see and that's my favorite moment of coaching because then they start to believe in themselves and they start to believe in what you're talking about and then it's like they just go on a, a an uphill type of learning curve from there because they actually have confidence that's my favorite part yeah the confidence you talked on too is it's cool to see athletes and again I'm you know I've only really been in college but to see some come in and they not they're not really sure who they are and they're finding who they are and then they leave not this completely different person but it's just much better person a better version of themselves or just more themselves yeah. than they knew they could be and to me that's the coolest part of college is like wow like just seeing the growth of people like that where they're kind exactly. of finding their way. It's it's really fun. So, so uh, one thing you talked about AU Pro and reaching out to them. Do you remember about when that was? Was that? I want to say I reached out in January of 2022, so it just started. Okay. And that's when um, I kind of started the ball rolling. They asked for film. I had to literally play with my 18 year olds because <laughs> I had no film, and you know I. I played with them a few times and I sent them like three different videos. And I think the next week I got a message saying that we would love for you to come play. So I was like, Oh, I guess I played. Okay. Cause uh, you know, when you're playing with your kids, it's one of those things. Like I am not going to dive and go get that tip. Like those are just, you know, <laughs> uh, you're, you're a coach playing, you know, it's yeah. different. I feel like they know that too. I get tipped every time I have to jump in practice. They tip me. They know that we're not going to get it. <laughs> it's mean. They just—they know they're like, oh, she—he's she, not gonna go for yeah. that. Yeah. So I bring up the timeline. I bring up the timeline because I had to get a quick screenshot. Now you brought up TikTok earlier. I think this was a TikTok that was posted on Instagram because I don't have a TikTok yet. I'm sure my kid's two years away from making me get it. But you had this TikTok that was something about uh, just kind of your daily routine, and there was a quick clip of your journal. And so I had to take a screenshot. There was some really cool stuff. I hope somebody Saw else that too quickly. Well, so that they can see it because it's the affirmations. And again, you know, in an earlier podcast, Raquel Lothero talked about those affirmations were huge for her in her first season of pro. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read a couple of them. This is just such a cool journal entry. I want people Go to ahead. hear is daily affirmations. I am pure. I am loyal. I am beautiful. I am enough. Um, the I am loyal. Um, talk me through a little bit of that because I, I love all of those, but the loyalty part of it was the one that I was like, oh, I'm intrigued by. I'm loyal to my relationships. I'm loyal to my commitments. What is what is the I'm loyal in your affirmations there, if you don't mind me asking? During that time, oh, during that time, I was I was really trying to center myself. And I think the loyal for me was loyalty to myself. Um, it was right before my 30th birthday and I wanted to I wanted to be more loyal to myself. I wanted to do more self-care. I wanted to actually follow through with some of the things that didn't feel important in my life before. I, I do a, a recovery thing. So it's like I go in a sauna, I go do the boots, I do Saluma, and I go cryo. Like that's being loyal to my body. And that was so important to myself. And I would, you know, as a parent, you, you make things so much more of a priority than yourself because you just need so much to get done. And it was kind of hindering me in a way. And I'm like, if you're going to be a professional volleyball player, you need to be loyal to your body and do what your body needs. So that was something that was really important, which loyal stuck out to me. And also loyal to if you need to say no, say no. You know, you can't be superwoman every day. 
And that was something that was really important to me. I love that. That's really cool. I think there's so many people that could benefit from journaling, even if they don't know how to do it. Just, oh my gosh, I sit down and I write and look what comes out. I know for me, it was a big change. I started journaling in my probably mid-20s while I was coaching and just the, my interactions with players and with, with myself, like you said, I think just went through the roof. It was really, really um, beneficial. So I actually have another one. Oh, this I is your current one. Before. Okay. My current one. Oh, nice. So we have one from about a year ago. Let's see how we've, we've progressed. If you don't yes. mind sharing. Yeah, I will share today's. Today's daily affirmation is I am building an empire. I am shining his light. I want to get in more doors. I would show beauty. I will show beauty in my words. I am God's vessel and I am God's child. Um, very, very cool. I just, I, again, seeing that journal was just kind of like, I just think there's so many people that would benefit from exploring that. You don't have to do it the same way. You can make it your own, but getting in touch with yourself, you talked about self-care, you know, taking care of yourself. To, you talked about being a professional player and also being able to show up for your son. That's one of the things I've learned in being a parent is they talk about, you know, on an airplane, you put your mask on first and then your child, but that's not the natural reaction that anyone would ever have. Yeah. You're like, forget me. It's all about you. But if you do that exactly. enough, you get way behind and you can't show up the yeah. way you want to show up and you're not the best version of yourself. So um, expand a little bit more on what you talked about with just self-care and what you've learned there and what you're passionate about of, you know, for, for either pro players or people that are balancing, you know, you know professional life and personal life or motherhood. Um, talk to me a little bit about that self-care. You are only as good as you treat yourself and you are only as good as how much you put into the game. And what people don't realize is when I, I had a 2019 season at beach and I literally felt exhausted every single day. And it's because I would wake up in the morning, I would go to the gym, I would lift, then I would stretch for about 30 minutes after that. Then I would have practice for two and a half hours. After that two and a half hours, I would eat something. And then I had another two and a half, three hours of recovery, which I'm saying like, sauna for an hour I'm on the boots doing Saluma and then I'm cryoing and then I gotta go home and I gotta make dinner and what then is I before you go on again. Saluma you use that twice and I'm not familiar with Saluma the other ones I know I know cryo the super cold and you got the sauna and you got the yeah. recovery boots which are amazing Saluma I've never heard of what is that red light therapy is really huge and um, it goes anywhere to like ailments of whether you're swelling whether you strain something all of those things the red light penetrates all the way to the muscle to get lactic acid along with the um, swelling out. And that's huge. It, I mean, who doesn't want that? Because it's always a swelling that gets in the way. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. So uh, hypothetical question here. You're going to play pro, whether beach or indoor, and you can only take one with you for the entire season. You have four that are like staples of your recovery. Which one do you feel like is the one like, I have to have this? If you can only pick one. I think this, like, I can't bring a sauna with me. I have a sauna, like, blanket that I have okay. that I probably would take with me. Like, there's just so many things, but, ooh, because, like, I travel with, like, an ultrasound, too. Oh, Fallon. I think red light. Red light would have really? to be, because it's easy to travel with, and it can hit any part of the body. Yeah. Interesting. You, you've inspired me. I'm going to have to give that one a try. I haven't I haven't tried yes. that one before. And if that's your number yes. one, because I love those Normatec boots. Those things are like, you'll be sore and you feel like a new person, but obviously it's just your legs. But uh, yes. um, well, I want to go back really quick before we get to kind of the future and what we're, we're passionate about. Um, but you talked earlier a lot about your about your mom. 
And for you as a mother now too, it's, you know, I think when we start to have children, everything comes full circle and we start to learn more about our parents and the sacrifices they've made. Um, just talk to me a little bit about the role that she played in who you are today, getting you through all those times. Um, talk to me a little bit about, about your mom. My mom was a strong single parent that uh, she was literally a bulldog and she she raised me by herself and she worked a full-time job and she never missed one game or a tournament. She always traveled with me and, you know, looking back at all of the things that I was a part of, like, that's really hard. Like that's really hard to make every single game, every single tournament from age nine to like college. Like that's, that's super hard. And, you know, I just, I give her her flowers. I give her her, her praise and, you know, any parent that sacrifices to do all of that, you know, you're amazing because, you know, there's so many things that we have to sacrifice to make their life better, but to be present is so huge. Like that's something that I want to be for my kids is just, I want, I don't want to give you presents. I want to be present for you. And, you know, I think my, my presence is something that, my son adores and loves and you know we can literally you know he loves playing basketball now so we go to the basketball court at the gym that i work out at all the time and i literally will do my cardio do my stretching all that kind of stuff and then he literally just wants me to sit there and watch him i'm okay with that you know or we're just sitting here you know watching a movie and we're just you know cuddling on the couch just watching something those are precious moments that i know that I loved about when my mom was with me. And, you know, I hope my kids cherish that just as much too, because she, she didn't have to do all of that. She didn't have to break her neck or her wallet to do all of those things, but she chose to, and you know, I'll forever love her for that. Um, I think too, with the presence, like, I don't want to give you presents. I want to be present. I always go back to sometimes like being present is a present though. And it's like in the yes. way that the person has to accept it. So it's like, oh, I'm being present. It's like if I always think about with my kids, it's if they don't appre if they don't accept it, then I'm not being present. I need to be present for yeah. them. Like you are giving them that present. Um, and like you said, like when they just want you to watch them and it's like, oh, I might grab my phone. It's like, wait, 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 I gotta not do that because they're gonna then they're gonna learn from that. And so yeah. I don't know. I'm so passionate about that. And I'm a work in progress too, that it's just like ah, I'm aware of it, but it's like I can always do better. Um, but those moments you talk about with your kiddo, it's just like, that's what life's all about. Yes, heard, it is. I heard this stat the other day that was, uh, I think it's by the time they're 21, you'll have spent 93% of your time with your kids once they get out of the house. And it's like, I mean, I saw that and it like shook me to my core. I was like, no. People don't realize that our kids are adults longer than they are children. Yeah. That's, and that's... at the end of the day, I, I just like you, like my kids better know you better be here at Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> at my house being present with me yeah. because you know i know you're going to be living your lives and you know doing great and living your best life but those those moments are huge and i that's what i want is you know even if they're coming back from college and they want to bring their friends and i got to literally go to costco and get you know 10 pounds of chicken and this and that just to feed the house i want to do that that's that's something that i want for my future with my kids yeah i appreciate that um, so we talked earlier about you, you know, coaching club and just the things you're doing, you know, with volleyball still as, you know, playing professionally, but then also when you are off season, 
giving back to the game, and you talked about growing the game. So talk to me a little bit about what you see for kind of the state of our game and how we can do better growing our game. Growing the game it has such a loaded, you know, end to it because there's so many ways that all of us can be better. And um, I, I try my best. I know I can be better by exposing it to more communities. And also, you know, and that's beach and indoor for me. I want more black girls to be on the beach, but in order to do that, we have to actually have black girls go to the beach, you know? And, and unfortunately, like a lot of the community that is black or Samoan or Mexican, any, anything of brown skin minority, they don't have opportunities to go to a beach or even touch a ball, let alone, you know, play beach volleyball. And there's so many ways that, you know, I feel like other programs, whether it be in California, whether it be in Florida, whether it be in Texas, go take some kids to the beach, go have them just literally touch it, have them get go through the icky sand through the, you know, the toes. And like, this is gross to so like, okay, this is not so bad. Let them grow through that and see what happens. And even in indoor, we are an expensive sport. I would love if we were able to either sponsor more athletes or have more opportunities. Like we have a Starlings here, get them literally like past the phase of, oh my gosh, it hurts my arm when it hits me to like, oh, this isn't so bad. I'll hit a ball or I'll serve or let them do their bows and their hair. There's just so many different things that we can do to grow the game where I feel like we lost that because when I was a kid, that's literally all 12, 13s and 14s was, was like AYSO, you know, soccer. Like, what do they do? We pick flowers, we have bows in our hair, we have a cute team name and we have snacks. But like that essence, it, it grows from there. It grows from like, I have my friends with me. I love doing this on Saturday mornings. Like you just have, you have to look outside yourself and what does that little kid inside that you had, like, love about the game and then you can be like okay i'm gonna do this this, and this and see if it works you know throw it see if it sticks but you know i i want to be able to be a voice not only because of the color of my skin but the way my body type is there are so many girls that are out there that feel like they're not enough they don't feel like they are good enough because of their body and i just i want to break that stigma so badly and you know i of course, everyone can be healthier. Everyone can be uh, better to themselves. There's just so many different things. But I, I want to give more bigger, thicker girls also a voice because there's not one single thick girl that I have seen on the national team other than when I played in the Pan Am Games at all. And I'm sure that gives girls like, oh, well, I'll never get to that level. So it doesn't matter. But I do know that they can play overseas. I do know that there is opportunity here. I do want to see more more girls, whether they're white, black, any anything on the beach. I want to see different body types on the beach. I want you guys to take more risks because you love volleyball to go out there. And I want people to see me unapologetically who I am and just say, you know what, I can try and go see what happens. So I think there's 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 not a right answer to this, but I'm hoping that in my walk, in my path that God put me on, I'm able to shine light on the areas where I feel like more little girls, more young women will feel confident in being who they are and being able to express themselves through volleyball. 
that's what this is all about. Like, yeah, we're playing a sport and we're like trying to keep the ball off the ground, but we're doing a lot more than that. So exactly. it's really cool. Exactly. I love how passionate you are about it too. And the funny thing is, like I said, when we played you guys with, with AU Pro and I chatted with you after the game, I was just like, you know, I didn't, the podcast hadn't started yet. It was probably just in its infancy say, stage in the back of my yeah. mind, but it was like, you were already a guest on it. I was like, this is someone I have to call <laughs> in my first batch of people. And, uh, cause again, like what you just described, like you embody that, like you express that without words. And that I picked up on that from just like, wow, like this is, this is a leader, you know, this is a person who is leading. So I, I thank you for that. And I thank you for coming on the pod. I mean, I'm loving this. Um, so, you know, with growing the game, um, you talked about opportunities, um, just providing more opportunities. You know, I think right now with the three pro leagues, we've got the AU pro, we've got the real pro start and we've got the love. We've all, we've always had the universities. Okay. But then we're just looking at places where universities are, where we're giving back to the community and we're spreading volleyball with these pro teams. I feel like that's probably an opportunity to show, Hey, there's a professional side. Cause we have that with the WNBA and with other sports, but when pros can connect and I saw you guys with AU pro, you guys had an opportunity to like go to some schools and do some things like that. Talk me through some experience with that. And um, maybe not even with AU pro throughout your career of just some really cool experiences you've had um, more on the ground and just the, the face-to-face interaction of how that's been. I'm going to say that being 31, going back to college, like playing college teams and seeing the community of what college is, is so special. And I think there isn't enough pros that can go back. I mean, obviously you're going to go back to your alumni and everything, but I mean, even the people who you played against are still fans of you and they're coming up to you. And I, I obviously a lot didn't know who I was, but I got to see it on the other side. And I loved every moment of seeing little girls and from little girls to grandparents to super fans that like probably have been around programs for over 20 years and just knowing stats, knowing how great you played or what accolades you got. And it's so special because it shows how much the love of volleyball can bring you together. We just talked about community and family and I, I love, I loved seeing it. I love seeing it. And I also love the part where, we had no idea going back to college how much we were giving back. Like no one understood what it was going to look like. We just knew we were going to play in 12 cities in four weeks, however that was going to be, however it was going to look like we were going to do it. But it was really special on how we could connect with not only the program, not only the coaches, not only the strengths and conditioning, but the fans. And the fact that we can get all of those things at each college Maybe not as much as we could because we we were there maybe 24 hours for a few, but you know we were able to create a community and create a network where everyone knew each other for a brief moment. And if you know, I know we told most of the girls that we played against, if you have any questions about you know life after college or playing pro, please message me. And that brings so much more light because I remember going to play pro. You had to find an agent. It was sketchy. You didn't know what was going on. You really didn't know who was playing overseas. And this way, it's like, okay, I have a direct line to someone who has played in this league or played overseas and will give me just a little light on what I could do. And I love that part. Yeah. That's I, that's another, you know, we talked about the 
the challenges of phones and social media and all that, but that's definitely one benefit of just connecting the world more. Like, I don't know if we'd be on this podcast together had it not been for like social media is where we connected of like, oh, I saw you at the match. I'll reach out to you on social media with, you know, the original video of your kills. And then that obviously, you know, snowballed into, into on the podcast here, but um, very, very cool. Uh, with that AU Pro experience and all the different girls and obviously some new players that you met, is there a memory that sticks out to you as far as just maybe an off-the-court connection or a moment? Um, you, obviously, you guys had played some great teams and some great environments, but was there anything off? You know, sometimes the travel, like when I think about me as a player and even as a coach now, it's like sometimes the travel and the, the moments outside the court are the most fun. Is there one that sticks out for you? Deja is one of my best friends and I literally got to meet her entire family and like four different stops. And that just, that, that example gives me of how beautiful it is to have family that is willing to travel six, eight hours just to see you play in one match. And that moment was beautiful for me because I, I just saw 20 people arrive for her. And not just her, but I saw it go for, you know, Jamie Peterson from Ohio. A ton of people came there for her. And it gave me just a little bit of just like a a warm, warm feeling inside. Because as a pro, like you don't get that anymore. College, of course, they're going to come out like you're still their baby. But like playing overseas, even AU, especially because we were coming out of COVID you don't get that kind of love on the side. Like, of course your fans love them so much, but having your family there, it it was absolutely beautiful to see genuine smiles and, you know, smiling ear to ear and just talking about the game. It it was just, it, it was such a beautiful moment in those cities particular for me, because that's called unconditional love. And that's something that you don't get to have when you get over to the pro side is, having your family just there to support you. Man, that's that's why these pro leagues have to make it. Like, they have to. And maybe part of the reason I'm doing the podcast is growing the game and talking about it more, getting more exposure out there. And uh, I know they're kind of going at it, it feels like. You know, AU Pro is a little different because it's more of – AU Pro reminds me more of it's an exposure. You know, it's, it's exposing mm-hmm. – you know, it's exposing – professionals it's exposure tour of like hey here's this great product and then the other ones are okay you're part of this team and this franchise and this city so they're kind of in two different i don't know worlds for me but then you've got two that are trying to do the the pro model and it's like we need all of them to 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 work because it's just gonna i think there's a lot of pros that get out of it because they're just done with being overseas and being away from their family if their families are able to watch them for three four more years i think we're going to keep great people involved in the game um, so, man, I, I just they, they have to work. I really, really hope that this time they do. I just hope that all three of these leagues work together in a sense, yeah. because the only way that and this is this is something that's super important to me. The only way that women are going to get the opportunity to be actual pro players is if we work together in creating more opportunity And it's not saying that you can't use the same players for each league. It's more of make sure that you have, if you have a team in Cincinnati, make sure you have those Cincinnati girls. If you have a Southern California, like make sure you have Southern California girls, because it's really important to just like the Lakers, just like the Clippers, just like, you know, San Antonio Spurs, like you need to have homegrown type of people where that's when they draft them. And they're like, Oh no, this, this is our, you know, this is our player. 
you need to have those types for all leagues. Yeah. All leagues. Because then what does that do that makes people invest? It makes them spend their time and their money with you. And that's how we're going to grow the game and have people interested in us. If we have those local players and big name players who are from that area play and they're going to be so like people don't understand being invested doesn't also mean going to the game. They're going to tune in when you are like at another um, a facility and you're playing someone in Texas or in Florida, like they're going to tune in every single time, just like their favorite episode of any reality TV show or show that they like, they're going to tune in. Uh, Fallon, I love that. I hope that th- there's all these opportunities with these pro leagues and that we continue to watch you to play for years and years to come. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Out of Rotation with your host, Dan Meske, presented by the American Volleyball Network. Until next time, come on. Don't give them any free points. Always stay in rotation.